It's good to give God praise today, especially as we take communion and remember what Jesus has done for us. It's so fitting while we go through this series called A Sacrifice of Praise, talking about worship. And today we're going to wrap up this series, and I'm going to talk about worshiping and freedom. And the alternate title for this sermon is, It's Time for a Praise Break. How many of you grew up in church when you used to just have a praise break sometimes? If you'll just stay standing for a moment, in John 8, Jesus replied, Truly, truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You got any sons and daughters in the house today? Before we go any further, I want to just stop and take a praise break. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to count to three, and then we're going to lift up a shout of praise. We're going to lift up song. We're going to lift up our hands. We're going to clap. You can jump. We got to give God praise together. One, two, three, because he set us free. We praise you, God. Amen. We worship you, Lord. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We lift up your name. You are greatly to be praised, God. We glorify you in this place. That was good. Go ahead and grab your seats. It's so good to be together today. And I want to welcome everyone who's joining us online. Isn't it good to be in God's presence? God is so good. You know, we read this verse here where it says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that word indeed, I wanted you to notice that because what it really means is you'll be free in truth or in doing, or you could even think in deed, in what you do, you will be free in reality. And I wanted to emphasize that because I think that there are Christians who have been set free, but don't live free indeed. And one of the evidences that I see for that is the way people worship. It's not all about looks. It's more important what's in your heart, but what you do expresses what's going on in your heart. And I think that God wants us to learn how to live free through worshiping freely. When we worship God with passion, by lifting our voices, by lifting our hands, by giving glory to his name, it strengthens our spirit and it gives us what we need to go and live for God in this world today. So it's not just, you know, something we do to fill the time, but worshiping God, I think, is a spiritual discipline. How many of you know what a spiritual discipline is? It's something you do whether you feel like it or not. Like prayer, reading the Bible, giving, serving, worship. Those are things you do whether you feel like it or not because you know the benefits outweigh the feelings. And, and sometimes what it costs you, man, can't compare to what how it, and how it benefits you. When you actually put God first in your worship, and that's what I'm talking about in this series, and you lift him up and you express your love to him freely, he strengthens you and develops something in you that allows you to live free indeed. And so that's what I'm talking about. I think there are a lot of insecurities. There are a lot of hindrances to our worship sometimes, things that keep us stuck 
kind of trapped. Even Christians can get stuck sometimes, amen? You ever gone through a season where you just kind of felt stuck? Like, man, I just, I just feel like I need a break. I need a break from this. I need to get free from this. Well, that's why I'm talking about a praise break today. I'm gonna talk about why we give God praise and how it benefits us. So here we go. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing. We praise to break out, to break out. I wanna start out by reading a passage from Acts chapter 16. It says, one day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Now, I gotta say, I wouldn't mind having someone follow me around and shouting that everywhere I go. Like if I come out to preach, you know, on Sunday and someone's like, this man is a servant of the most high God and he's getting up to tell you how to be saved. I'd be like, yes, thank you. (laughs) But the the thing is, this girl was actually possessed by a demonic spirit. And this demonic spirit was enabling her to tell fortunes so she would make money for her master by telling people's fortunes. So I just want to give you that heads up. If you ever see someone like, like a fortune teller, they say, I'm going to read your palm and tell you your future. All of that is activity that is based in demonic witchcraft. So you want to stay away from that as a Christian. But this girl, she was being used to make profit for her master's. And that's good for us to think about, that before you found Christ, you were not just lost, you were also being used. You were being used maybe by others, but definitely by the devil. Ever since the devil was cast out of heaven, he's been playing a game trying to get back at God. And he has used many of us as pawns in this game, trying to hurt God's heart by hurting the people who God loves the most. You didn't realize that you were being used at one point to try to hurt God. And I think we should think about that because it helps us to feel compassion for lost people who even do evil things. Lost people who do evil things, like the evil things aren't good, but we gotta remember that that oftentimes those people are in bondage. They're enslaved to sin and they're being used as a pawn. They need freedom. And in Acts 16, verse 18, it says, this went on day after day, until Paul got so exasperated that he turned around and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Okay, so I wanna just teach you about this real quick because people ask often about this. They ask me, can Christians be demon possessed? And the answer is no. You might think your kids are demon possessed, but they're not. (laughs) People say, can Christians be demon possessed? No, you can't. How do I know? Because when you accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and took residence inside of you. And the Holy Spirit is not accepting roommates. He's not allowing a demon to come in and live in the guest room of your heart. No, no, he doesn't allow for that. He takes up residence in you. His holiness drives all darkness out from you. Listen, I don't care what you saw in some horror movie. You can't be demon-possessed. Some of you get more of your understanding about spiritual things from Hollywood than you do from the Word of God. And if you read the Bible more, you would have a better understanding of how these things work. So you can't be demon-possessed. But let me make it even a little clearer. You cannot even be demon-oppressed. I had someone ask me about that. Well, I don't think Christians can be demon-possessed, but I do think they can be oppressed. And I would say, no. 
Here's why. Because the, the word oppressor, it means a person or a group who exercises authority or power over another in a harsh and burdensome way. And demons have no authority over you as children of God. You are citizens of the kingdom of God. You live under the authority of your king. And so no demon has authority over you. And the power of demons is real. But the power inside of you is so much greater than he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And so although demons might have legitimate power as supernatural beings, that power doesn't compare. It doesn't even hold a candle to the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So some of you need to watch a little less horror movies. You need to read a little bit more Bible. And you need to stop being afraid of demons because you got the Holy Spirit of God living in you. That was all for free, has nothing to do with worship. But... Paul cast this demon out in the name of Jesus. And I want you to understand it wasn't just the name that caused this demon to flee, but it was the name in conjunction with the power of the spirit of the Holy Spirit inside of Paul. That power and that name together caused that demon to flee. And when that demon was cast out of that little girl, she was set free. She was set free. And there's so many people who need freedom from sin. Maybe there could be even someone here today who's never accepted Jesus and you need to be set free from sin. You're a captive until you accept Jesus Christ, but he can set you free. When this little girl was set free from this demonic possession, her masters got mad because they could no longer make money off of her because she couldn't tell fortunes any longer. So the Bible says that they took Paul and Silas to court they had, they had Paul and Silas beaten and thrown in prison. That'd be pretty rough, right? Yeah. It'd be one thing to go to prison because you broke the law and committed a crime. It's another thing to go to prison because you helped some poor girl find freedom from demon possession. Here's what happened. It says in Acts 16, I want you to see how God turns their suffering into celebration. I want you to see how God turns their persecution into, into praise. Watch what happens. It says, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Okay, so I love this passage. There's so much encouragement in this passage for us. I just want to talk about it for a minute. Here, Paul and Silas, they got put into prison. The jailer was warned, you need to guard these guys carefully because there's something funny about these guys. So it said he, they put them in the inner cell of this dungeon. 
the inner cell. It was, it was a place where they would be safe and sound, but the inner cell was also a place where it was dark, it was dank, refuse and waste was likely to leak down from other prisoners. And they were put in stocks. That means their feet and their hands were locked up so they couldn't lie down, they couldn't get comfortable. They were literally in chains after having their backs torn open from being flogged. So I wanted to just emphasize that a little bit because they were having a bad day. And I would bet they did not really feel like worshiping God in that moment. It's one thing to worship God after you just got a raise at work. Like, praise the Lord. It's another thing to worship God when your two-year-old finally gets potty trained. You're like, oh, this is glorious. But when you just got beat and locked up for following Jesus, you probably don't feel like worshiping God in that moment. There are some times you come to church and you don't feel like worshiping God. The band starts singing, the worship team starts leading you, and people around you might be clapping. Maybe they got a raise that week. But you did it, and you're going through a hard time, and you're like, I don't really feel like, oh, like, I'm not feeling that. I don't feel like singing. The worship pastor's like, come on, raise your hands. And you're like, I don't even want to be here. See, there are some times that you really don't feel like worshiping God, but what we see in this passage is that, that sometimes that's the thing you need the very most. When you don't feel like worshiping God, that's exactly what you need. Here, Paul and Silas, they're in chains and they start to sing psalms and hymns to the Lord. And I'm, I want to emphasize that because we're in a series about worship and singing and praising God. And what does it say? The other prisoners were listening. And I, I told you guys that, Lost people watch you when you worship. A lot of times lost people get saved just seeing the faith of Christians worshiping God. They know these people have something going on that I don't have, but I want. And I can just imagine these prisoners listening to Paul and Silas sing and being encouraged in their own hearts. How can those guys be joyful? How can they be praising God? right now. They just got flogged for following Christ. They don't have any reason to worship, yet they're singing to God. And what happened? As Paul and Silas praise God, the prison floors began to shake. As they began to lift up God's name, the doors flew open. As worship flowed out of them, the chains fell off and their praise break turned into a jailbreak. Right. The jailer comes in and he's about to commit suicide because he knew if all these prisoners escaped, he would face professional ruin, shame, disgrace and punishment. And the Apostle Paul says, no, 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 don't kill yourself. We're still here. See, I want you to understand the jailer, maybe the same guy who even whipped Paul was also a prisoner. He needed to be set free by Jesus. Even though that jailer was the one that locked Paul up, maybe whipped Paul and Silas, God wanted to set that man free. You know, if this was a movie, Paul would have probably killed the jailer and said, don't mess with God's people. 
and we'd be like, yeah, because <laughs> we tend to be kind of vengeful. <laughs> but that's not really how Jesus is, is it? Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he doesn't want to kill his enemies. He wants to convert his enemies into family. He's all about setting people free. In Luke 4, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Jesus said that in Luke 4. Now Paul and Silas are living it out. The captives are being released. And why were they being released? Well, I don't know, but it started with them praising the name of Jesus. So I wanted you to understand that there is freedom in Jesus' name. For those who are demon-possessed and oppressed, for those of you who might be anxious, struggling, depressed, struggling with unforgiveness, fear about the future, maybe you feel stuck in the same thing, maybe it's been holding you back for a while and you feel like, man, I can't ever get free of this. There is freedom in Jesus' name. Sometimes you don't know how you're gonna break free, but I want you to understand that it starts with a praise break. It starts with worship. It starts with lifting up Jesus' name. You know, this week at church, uh, we have a staff meeting every week where our church staff comes together. Um, this last Tuesday, one of our staff members, she said throughout recent history, she's struggled with anxiety. And you know, Christians sometimes struggle with anxiety. And uh, recently it kind of came back and she was feeling it. And she talked about how this series reminded her about worship and praise and letting God fight your battles. And so she started to put on worship music and just sing to God and worship. And she was just sharing in our staff meeting. She said, instantly, my anxiety left. And I felt, and she's saying it like with surprise and joy on her face. Like, I felt totally better. She's like, it worked. Like, it worked. And, and we've, we've heard so many testimonies like that. And, I, and a lot of you have experienced that in your own life, that those times when you're going through hardship, when you're struggling, maybe you don't even feel like worshiping God. You need to break out of that funk by lifting up Jesus, by worshiping him, by singing to him. And then, you know, you might think, well, that was just Paul and Silas. That's the book of Acts. All kinds of weird stuff happened in the book of Acts. I want to show you that this principle applies outside of the context because we see that same principle appearing in other contexts. That's some Bible study connection right there. I want to show you. Here's the second thing. Why do we praise God? Well, we praise to break through. We praise to break out. We praise to break through. God's people, at one point, they were slaves in Egypt, and God sent Moses to lead them out of slavery crossed the Red Sea, and eventually the time came for Moses to pass the baton to Joshua, his understudy, his apprentice. And Joshua led the people across the Jordan River, and God was leading his people into the promised land. They had a homeland set aside for them and consecrated to them that belonged to them. And so God wanted to lead them into this new land. The thing is, there were enemies in that land. And God told them, you gotta deal with these enemies. You gotta conquer these enemies. They, they come up on the first stronghold, the first city, a city called Jericho. And the Bible talks about how it had high walls. It was a strong city, had fighters. And, you know, not to get into military strategy, but trying to attack a fortified stronghold is very difficult and usually leads to great loss. And so God intervened in this situation. You might wonder, well, why didn't they just go around Jericho? 
Wouldn't that have been easier just to bypass that city, maybe start with an easier city that didn't have high walls? But they couldn't just bypass this stronghold and then have peace while an enemy stronghold existed in the land. You can't have a peace when there is an enemy stronghold in your backyard. So God wanted them to deal with this. And he kicked off this campaign in incredible fashion. What's really cool is in uh, Joshua chapter five, he sees a guy with a sword. Joshua sees a man with a sword and he walks up to this man, looks right up to him and says, are you friend or are you foe? And the man says, neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's armies. That's an interesting day, okay? That's an interesting day, right? Like, hey, who, who are you? I haven't seen you around here. I'm the commander of the Lord's armies. Oh, okay. Joshua falls face down on the ground and he's like, I'm ready. Like, give me command. Tell, tell me what to do. And the Lord gives Joshua these, guidance, these guidelines. Joshua chapter six, it says, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting man, men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blow, blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can, and then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So that's exactly what happened. Can you imagine being one of Joshua's military commanders? You're like, so what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? We're going to march around the town. Okay, and then what? That's all for the day. <laughs> And then the next day we're going to do it again. The next day we're going to, on the seventh day, we're going to go around t seven times. And then, and then it's not the special forces that are going to lead the way. It's the worship team. Yeah. We're sending the worship team out front. You guys see this theme appearing again and again, right? In second Chronicles, again, here in Joshua, the worship team leads the way into battle again and again and again. The worship team leads the way. And on the seventh day, the horns start to play. The shout goes up and the walls come down. Just as God said would happen. They lifted up God's name and gave him glory and God fought their battles and gave them victory. That's what he does. God gave them breakthrough by tearing down these walls. And that's how the Lord works. It's our job to worship him. It's God's job to fight the war. We have a lot of Christians here today that can learn from this passage as well. That God has given us freedom and he has led us into our promised land. We are now recipients of the promises of God. You could be in the promised land, but still allow strongholds to exist in the land if you don't deal with them. What am I talking about? Some of you got saved, but there are issues you never dealt with. Some of you got saved, but you never forgave that person who hurt you even though you know God has called you to forgiveness. Some of you gave your life to Christ and you love Jesus, but you've never allowed God to deal with you in the area of sexuality. Some of you have surrendered to Christ in every area except for your finances. And so you continue to struggle with finances. And what that does is it allows a stronghold to exist in the land of your life. 
You might think you can bypass it and go on experiencing God's good things for your life. But what happens is when you allow a stronghold to exist, you give the enemy a foothold to launch out and attack you from. He'll come out and he'll attack you in the back when you least expect it. That's why you can't allow strongholds to remain in your life. What I want you to understand about a stronghold, they can only exist in the areas you tell God to stay out of. Because anywhere God shows up, strongholds come down, right? But what, some, but what some people do, what some people do is they say, God, you're so good. I just don't really want you talking to me about my sex life. I, I don't want you talking to me about sleeping with my girlfriend. I don't, I don't really want to hear about that part of the Bible. God, you're so good and you're so great. I just don't want you talking to me about money stuff. Keep your hands off my money. God, you're so loving. I'm so grateful you forgave, you forgave me of sin. I just don't want you talking to me about forgiving the person who hurt me. I'm just not ready. And you've allowed a stronghold to remain in your life. And here's the thing about strongholds. They look strong, right? Those walls were high. I'm sure it was intimidating. And you might look at a stronghold and think, what are we gonna do? How, how are we gonna fight that? How could we tear those walls down? And the thing is, you don't have to worry about tearing the walls down. You just have to worship God and lift his name up, right? You lift his name up and you let him tear those walls down. What we see in the Bible is again and again, the walls come down, the chains break off when you lift up praise. That's what the people did, right? They lift up, they lift up a shout of praise. You can just imagine that seventh time around, the horns blow and they're just, God is good, praise God. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm hoping it's good. And then the walls come crashing down. Just like Paul and Silas, right? They start singing songs and hymns before anything happened and then they experience freedom. Maybe, maybe you struggle with this. Any of you guys, type A, logical, analytical people, engineers, mathematicians. Okay, we got some scientists. I know we got rocket scientists in the church, right? You got some numbers people. And you're like, well, I, I don't really understand how this works. Like, what's the formula for worshiping praise and breakthrough? Because, you know, it's very like supernatural and spiritual. And I'm sure it's good and all. But how does that work, Pastor Ryan? It's very amb ambiguous to me. So I, I want to make it more clear for my, my type A analytical th people here and the thinkers amongst us. I want you to be thinkers. So I, I got a formula for you. How, here's how it goes. As praise goes up, power goes up. Yeah. More praise equals more power. As you give God glory, he gives you breakthrough. As you unleash worship, God unleashes the armies of heaven to come and fight your battles. As the name of Jesus is exalted, the strongholds of Satan are torn down. That is how this works. There is a direct correlation between worship and winning, between praising God and experiencing victory from God. If you want to experience more breakthrough in your life, you need to take more praise breaks. You need to stop and give God praise. Some of you try to fight all your own battles and your own strength and that's why you're so tired. If you would just push play and let some worship music fill your house once in a while and give God the worship he deserves, he would fight the battle for you. 
God brings you to church on Sunday to strengthen you for the fight. But a lot of people, they just stand around. They don't, they don't worship. They don't sing. And so they don't get strengthened the way that they need. Jesus set you free so you could be free indeed. And that, and that includes being free in your worship, in your worship. And so that brings me to my last point. We praise to break free. This message is about freedom. Jesus set you free so you could be free indeed. And I talk to a lot of people, and I think, I think a lot about just like, well, why do people struggle with different things? And there are a lot of churches where people have been set free, but they don't worship free indeed. Why is that? Well, one of the, the main reasons is because people worry about what other people think. They say, well, what will other people think about me? What will other people think about me if I, if I sing and I don't have a good voice? <laughs> what, what, what are you doing, Ryan? You don't have a good voice. Why are you singing? What will other people think about me if I, if I jump in, in my... And my fat jiggles. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't jump, Ryan. What will other people think about me if I raise my hands and I have sweat stains? It's called antiperspirant, Ryan. Like all this like self-focus, all this, what will other people think about me? When the, when the focus is supposed to be on Jesus? Yeah. That's not freedom. And what, what I believe personally is that this time of praise and worship is like a workout. How many of you have ever been to a gym? Maybe you don't like to work out, but you've worked out at one point or another. Worship, working out is like worship in a lot of ways. It makes us stronger. And then those of you who are into fitness, you know you gotta, you gotta replenish yourself after you work out. You gotta take in nutrients to restore what you lost while you were exercising. You gotta have good fitness and good nutrition. That's what happens when we come together for church, you realize? We worship, and that's exercise. It strengthens us, and then the word of God is preached, and that's like a spiritual meal that nourishes us and replenishes us. If you're getting nourished, but you're never working out, you just get. You gotta work it out and take it in, right? You gotta get strengthened through, through worship and praise. I'm gonna explain this. I think that as you worship God in here, it increases your strength to live for him out there. I'll show you. 2 Samuel chapter six, it says this. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was wearing a linen ephah. That was a priestly garment. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. What a sweet lady, right? <laughs> David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. Okay, so I want you to understand this. David is leading the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. The Ark is where God's presence dwelt. Here again, we see the worship team out in front leading the procession. 
horns blowing, people are praising God, and David is dancing before the Lord. And it's not like a weak sauce dance, just kind of like, like some of you, you know, you, got, you play, play, play it safe when you go to weddings, right? You just keep it safe here. Like he was dancing with all of his might. He was dancing. He was going crazy, just worshiping God with passion. And I want to just clarify one thing. There's a little bit of a miscommunication. Some people think that this says he danced himself naked. That's not true, okay? He didn't actually dance out of his clothes, because that would have been sinful to expose himself that way. When his wife, who you can tell he had a strained relationship with, when she said he exposed himself like a vulgar person, what she's talking about is he took off his royal robes and he was dressed just like a commoner and worshiping God like any common person might do. So she was criticizing his lack of decorum and formality. His lack of decorum and formality. There are so many Christians in America who don't worship because they grew up in a church denomination or a background that thought it was more reverent to maintain decorum and formality. But David worshiped because he had experienced God's blessing and favor. He had been chosen as the king of Israel. He had received victory. He worshiped the Lord passionately. He danced before God with all of his might. He worshiped with freedom. Do you see this? And, and, and so I pointed that out. He didn't, he didn't dance out of his clothes and become naked. I said this in a previous week that freedom to worship passionately doesn't justify being disorderly. But he did worship freely. He did worship passionately to the point that this woman criticized him and made fun of him for it. She mocked him. She laughed at him. Now, now, here's the thing. Some of you come to church, right, and you don't really sing. You're afraid to participate. You're afraid to lift your hands because you're afraid of what other people will think about you. First off, I want to say, you don't need to worry about that. The lights are low. The music is loud. Nobody is looking at you. And you're among family. You're among people who love the Lord the same as you do. We're all worshiping the Lord together. Secondly, worship teaches you to stop caring what other people think. David said to Michal, he's like, I don't care what you think. I'm going to worship and get even more crazy if I want to. Because God deserves it. See, see, there are some of you that your whole life you have been in bondage to insecurity. You have been held captive to people pleasing. Some of you can't even take two steps without looking up to see if other people are okay with it. Is this okay? Do I, do I have your approval? And, and that same type of people-pleasing mentality stops Christians from worshiping God. All the time, your focus is on other people. Like, are, are people looking at me? Are people gonna judge me? Take your focus off of people. Put your focus on the one who's always pleased with you. God is always pleased with you. Now, you might have heard this passage about David dancing before the Lord before, but I wanna remind you about what comes right after it. Right after it, the next chapter, chapter seven, the prophet Nathan came and told him, the Lord says, I will make your name as famous as anyone who's ever lived on the earth. Your house and your kingdom will continue for all time and your throne will be secure forever. How cool is that? That's a pretty big deal. We know that through his kingdom and his lineage came Jesus Christ, the king of all kings. All right, and then the next chapter after that, chapter eight, 
Here's what it says. David goes out and he conquers the Philistines. He defeats every enemy in the land, tens of thousands of enemy, and he captures all their treasure, brings it back and dedicates it to the Lord. He receives incredible victory. Now, now here's what I want you to see. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, we get grafted in to the promise that David received. We become inheritors of this promise. We become royalty through Jesus. The way that God chose David, he's chosen you. He's made you a son and a daughter. You're no longer a slave to sin. The way that David received victory in battle in 2 Samuel chapter 8, God has given you victory over sin, over death, and he has defeated the enemy. The way that David captured all his treasure and brought it back and, and dedicated it to the Lord, God has poured out his favor on you and made every good thing available to you through Christ Jesus. The way that David had a reason to worship, you have a reason to worship every reason to worship. And it's this process of, of praising God and, and singing to him and lifting up his name and lifting up our hands and clapping, right? It's this process that strengthens us to live for God freely, to be free indeed. I just gotta challenge you in love, right? If you can't even lift up a praise to God in here, how are you gonna live for him out there? If you can't even like raise your hands in here among family, how are you gonna stand up for Jesus out there in a world that doesn't love the Lord? This is your training ground. This is the place to come and get stronger. This is the place to be strengthened and encouraged, to be set free from insecurity. God needs us to live for Jesus and be bold in this world. He needs us to stand up for the truth. He needs us to speak the truth in love and bring the gospel to people who need it. We cannot live captive to insecurity and timidity. We've got to break free. So if you need to break out or break through, if you need to break free, it starts with a praise break. It starts with giving God the glory he deserves. And I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes for a moment. And I wanna do this first. If you're someone who says, I have not yet received freedom through Jesus. And what does that mean? It means you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've already heard about him or you believe in God. That's not what I'm talking about. The way that we're saved is calling on the name of the Lord, confessing that Jesus is the son of God, believing in our hearts that he died on the cross for us and that he rose again. That's how you're saved. And when you in your heart decide to let him be your king, your Lord, your savior, your master, that's when you're saved, you're forgiven, and your name is written in the book of life. You're adopted into God's family and you become a child of God. You're no longer an enemy of God, you become a child of God. So if there's anyone here who needs to make that step today and you're ready to cross that line of faith, this moment is for you right now. Between you and God, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and I just wanna invite you to pray this with me. To say, God, I need you to save me. I believe Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross for my sins because you love me. I believe Jesus rose again so I could have victory over sin and death, and I receive that victory today in Jesus' name. I thank you for receiving me, for adopting me, for loving me, for leading me. In Jesus' name.